Let's just take some time here to open up our Bibles to the book of Romans, the book of Romans in the New Testament there, chapter 12. If you would turn there with me, uh, we should finish up this chapter tonight. And we you'll remember we started uh, a, a mini series within a series on chapter uh, 12 here, this second part talking about the conduct of concentrated, concentrated, uh, I'm sorry, Consecrated Christians, uh, consecrated mean, in other words, we are separated, we are dedicated uh, to the Lord. And so there is a conduct that comes with those that are consecrated uh, unto the Lord. And we find that in verse one, of course, teaches us that those that are in Christ have presented themselves as a living sacrifice. It only makes sense. And I'm going to, in our evening service, I'm going to often speak to the young people as well. Because I want to encourage young people attending our Sunday night services. I really believe that they can go and sit in school for, for eight hours. They certainly can come in church and also sit and learn for an hour's time. And uh, and I'm thankful for them. I appreciate them. And I know they don't have the attention span. Well, they do have the attention span that we do. Uh, but at least that I do because I'm easily distracted. ADHD, I'm telling you, I can get distracted. How many? you get distracted easily oh that's most of us hey man i'm in good company here i um my wife will be uh we'll be sitting and having dinner together going out supposed to be a date night i'm supposed to be giving all my attention to my wife and then all of a sudden somebody's over here and they're doing something maybe out of the ordinary and i'm i turn my head i'm looking she's like hey hey right here honey right here Oh, oh, excuse me, excuse me. None of you have that problem, do you? I just, I, and I'm a people watcher, so that's bad too. When you go to a restaurant, I'm a people watcher. I know that's kind of weird, right? But I just kind of like seeing what people are doing, you know. Anybody else people watchers? Oh, yeah. We just like watching people. It's just, it's just, people are interesting, right? And uh, we just enjoy that. But but uh, but anyway, there are times we just have to just to focus in on. And and I'm thankful that we can do that. But but young people, I want to tell you this. Listen to your pastor. The best decision after you get saved, and that's when you put your faith in Jesus to save you from your sin. This goes for uh, children and adults. The best decision that we can make is to. Give our lives to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to use me. I want you to take my life. And you know what? You can be a witness in your class, whether you're in kindergarten, whether you're in second or third grade, fourth or fifth grade. And you adults, we can let the Lord take us and use us as living sacrifices. That means he has the right to my life. And I'm thankful for that. But we understand that those that have surrendered their lives to the Lord have a certain type of conduct. And we find that uh, beginning there in verse 2. We don't, we, don't, we don't try to act like the world. We're not trying to uh, be like Taylor Swift. Okay? As pretty as she may be and as popular as she may be, we're not trying to be like that crowd. Okay? We, we're trying to be like Jesus. 
That's who we are following. That's who we worship. That's who, you know, the world wants to idolize the rock stars, the pop stars, the, the, the sporting, the, the athletes, the stars. That's what the world, and, but we as God's children, you know who we adore. You know who we, uh, bow down to. You know who we worship. You know who we give all our attention to. His name is Jesus. The rest of that crowd, they may be talented, but most of them are on their way to a devil's hell because they've never put their faith in the gospel. And that ought to break the Christian's heart. We ought, we not ought to pump them up as the heroes of the world. We need to pray for their salvation. We need to pray that God will get a hold of their hearts and they will surrender to the King of Kings because there will be no pop concerts or any sporting events of that nature that where they're highlighting and glorifying sin in hell. There just won't be any of that. In fact, we need to witness and pray for them and understand that it's important as Christians that we surrender our life to the King of Kings. He's worthy. But certain contexts, we don't want to be like the world as in verse 2. It says you're not going to be conformed to this world, but you're going to be transformed. God's going to make you different. You ought to be different than you were five years ago. You ought to be different than you were a year ago. You ought to be different than you were 20 years ago. Hey, listen, if you've been alive that long and you've been saved that long, God's growing us, you know. Hey, listen, I didn't say we were supposed to be perfect, but we ought to be growing. Amen? Growing, maturing, our feet pointed in the right direction. I think it's important. If I'm, if I'm stuck, then there's something wrong. And I, I want to grow. And here's some things that can be indicators. I like to tell people, we, we, we can't ever get the root of salvation and the fruit of salvation mixed up. These things should be present in your life, but these things don't save you. <laughs> you can be doing all these things and following all these things and be lost. Okay, now it'd be really hard because it's without the Holy Spirit, the subject I'm going to talk about tonight, it's supernatural, um, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But but notice we talked about now, we're going to jump down to verse nine. We talked about how God wants us to be real and then and he, he wants us to be opposed to evil. Again, we shouldn't we shouldn't glorify and celebrate any type of sin. I don't care how pretty it is. I don't care. Christians shouldn't care. Don't celebrate sin. Can we say that together as a church? Don't celebrate sin. That's just a, a, a truth and principle that should govern our hearts. And uh, and so then we see there in verse nine it says, "Abhor that which is." Uh, evil, but it cleave to that which is good. We ought to be attached, attach ourselves to good things. And then uh, we notice to be affectionate there in verse 10. Uh, we ought to be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. That's just fellowship. That's caring about the brethren. That's just reaching out and showing the love of Christ to each other. It's so important because we're family. And family ought to be kind to each other, just caring uh, I appreciate those that have reached out to Linda Tate. I, I got a, a text from her this morning, uh, excuse me, this evening, uh, just before the service. And we need to pray for that sister. She said that this is the second surgery. She had this second surgery last year, excuse me, yesterday to try to fix the first surgery. And she said it's worse. She says she feels worse. And she said, I now hurt my shoulder because I can't hardly move. And she's trying to move herself. She says, Brother Brinson, I don't know that I've ever been in this much pain and, and this miserable ever in my life. She's up there at Piedmont. She's suffering. 
And you folks have reached out, you've prayed for her, and I hope you will. She said, please don't come visit me, preacher. I don't mean that in a bad way, but tell the folks that I love them. Just pray for me. Please don't come visit. She said, if they want to send text, that's great. And we should. We should send text. Um, but uh, but I, 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 just, I just want us to know that it really matters that we uh, are, are just reaching out to one another. And preferring one another. We see that we are to be diligent in our work as Christians. We see that in, in verse number 11. We're not to be slothful. Uh, you know, we're always working against laziness. Um, I have to, I have to fight that in my own flesh. I want to take the easy way. Brother Christian, that was a good lesson you taught on Friday night, brother. He talked about how the Christian, uh, the Christian life there, there is the easy way and the hard way on the first part of the arrow. And then you hit a split where they split off. And the one split off says easy way or easy. And the other one says hard. So what he was explaining, let me turn around this way. He was explaining that as believers, we're all going this this way towards the Lord. Okay. But if we try to go the easy way, we're going to end up going the hard way because sin is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. But he explained that if we choose the hard way, that means disciplining our body, resisting the devil, engaging in spiritual warfare, humbling ourselves. That's hard. It is hard. But then when we meet that, that, that fork in the road and start going that way, then it becomes easy. Because we have God's power and God's spirit. And, and that's what we ought to do. We ought to be uh, people that are not lazy. We're fervent in spirit. Uh, Brother Wes, we talked about this word. And even uh, guys that went on the men's prayer advance. It's just like God put a fire in our hearts. Well, that's what it's talking about. A, a fiery spirit. Uh, that's where God's people ought to be. Just uh, That's where the phrase, on fire for God. That's probably where that phrase came from. Fervent in spirit. And then serving the Lord. Praise God, there's nothing better than serving Jesus Christ. And then we see verse 12. That's where we talked about be joyful. Be joyful. God's people, we, we are to rejoice in hope. Then we ought to be patient. We ought to endure. That word patient means to be strong under pressure. I know um, there are times uh, in life where... Where you just don't feel like you can hold up any longer. You feel like, man, I, I've, I've got, something's got to give. And you just don't know if you can go any further. Um, one of the, uh, one of the things I was teaching Thomas not long ago is we were, we were carrying some firewood and, uh, from the wood pile to the house and we didn't have a, uh, a wheelbarrow, and he's learning to use that too. But I, I stacked him up pretty good, okay, under that weight. And he's like, Dad, I can't do this. This is too heavy. I'm like, buddy, you got this. You got it. You got this. You just go. He said, it's hurting. I said, I know. That's good for you, though. It's going to hurt. You let it hurt. He said, is your, is your back hurting? No, but my arms are. I said, all right. Your arm's okay. You get on down there, and then, of course, uh, we'd come back, and I'd have him stack me up and whatnot. But, you know, one of the things I was telling him, look, you're bearing up under that pressure. And quite frankly, that is how life feels sometimes. 
You just feel like it's all stacked up on you and it, it, it hurts. And you just endure. You just keep carrying that wood, so to speak, to the wood pile and unload it. And praise God, we can unload it on God. Let Him take that load. But there are times where we do. We have to endure uh, with God's help. And, uh, and it is going to be painful at times. But then we, we continue in prayer. We talked about how we need to be prayerful. Then notice verse 13. We are to be generous. God's people ought to be the most generous people on earth. And uh, he's, he talks about that to those especially that are in need. And helping them and blessing them. We ought to be given to hospitality. Uh, that, that word given means to pursue like a hunter uh, chases after prey. Just looking to be a blessing to somebody. Asking them into your home or embracing them. Just that is the goal. Then verse 14 is, is going to lead into what we're going to talk about tonight. It talks about how we ought to try to be a blessing. And that word says bless and curse not. You ought to put in your margin there First Peter Chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, if you haven't already. We're not going to turn there, but that, that's a verse that talks about how we ought to bless people uh, with our lives. Even those that persecute us and, and, uh, and try to harm us. And so that's important. Now, I do believe most of these ones I've referred to so far have been towards believers. Because it is true that sometimes even those that know the Lord will bring persecution Upon you. It's a fact. It's sad, but it's a fact. But we ought to bless them and curse not. And then, verse 15, notice that's where we ought to be connected. Know each other's needs. You see what the Bible says right there? It says, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. My, uh, I appreciate my wife, uh, and, and for many reasons, but one of the things that I appreciate about her is that I believe God has given her a gift, the gift of mercy. Uh, she had to have that to put up with me, amen, uh, all these years. But, but nevertheless, she, she, uh, she just seems to, if she sees someone crying, she, she'll start tearing up with them. And I love that. I love that. She, she immediately feels their hurt. And, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm reminded of that, how I need to be that way. I want to feel the hurt of others. Compassion is, is, they say compassion is your hurt in my heart. Your hurt in my heart. I want to feel what you're feeling and weep with those. And then the, the next thing is, is God's people ought to rejoice with them that are rejoicing. Hey, another believer gets a raise. The one you've been praying about. <laughs> Y'all didn't think that was funny. I did. See, you know that co-worker that just, you know, got the raise. And the one that you was hoping to get. You know what? If you're a believer, you ought to, with God's help and God's power, rejoice with them. Amen? Uh, you know, whatever the case may be, the blessing of God coming on somebody's life, you know the temptations to get in the flesh and be like, man, if they knew what I knew. Man, do they know how much I've been working on that? And then we can even get bitter towards God. God, you know I've been praying about that. But you know, we can, we can weep with those that weep and God's people can rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Be of the same mind, verse 16 says, let's be unified. God's people in this church, I'm thankful for the unity here at Crooked Creek Baptist. 
I'm thankful that doesn't happen on accident. It happens by God's people continually humbling ourselves, realizing we're all uh, fallible and we're all feeble. We, we, we need each other. We need to pray. Yes, we make mistakes, and, but we, we work through them with God's help. But it says, it says, be of the same mind and mind not high things. Don't think you're better than anybody else, but condescend to men of low estate. Get down with people that you think that perhaps are too far gone or whatever. Get, get down there with them. And uh, perhaps they're at the lowest place in their life. You get down there with them, brethren. That's what we're called to do. Be not wise in your own conceits. Don't think for one moment that you're better than anybody else in this church. Because that does not exist. Amen? The, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. No one's better than anybody in this church. Then we see here uh, verse 17. And that's where we pick up with our message tonight. How to love those that hate us. This is, I believe, changing gears a little bit. And is going to speak of those that, that are lost. Outside the church. Perhaps in the community or whatever. It. It, it could have several contexts there, but it doesn't appear to be within the local church. And, it, and, and let's start off here by noticing, first of all, in verse 17, we're going to continue with our B series here, is be forgiving. Be forgiving. If you're taking notes, verse 17 would be be forgiving. It says, recompense to no man evil for evil. All right. What does that mean? Well, that means that we ought not to try to pay somebody back. I I got tickled the other day, and of course we can laugh about it now because she's two. Uh, but I kind of giggled because of how brave or she, how I guess bold she felt. But my little my little my little Clo Clo, I call her. Old Moogie, old Chloe, she's, I love her. Chloe, if you're listening tonight, I love you. Daddy loves you. Gloria's been sick, so Joanna stayed home with her. And, uh, but the other day, she was on the bed with mom, and she had to be looking at the phone. We let her do that from time to time, you know. That's just the way life is now. And uh, she was looking at it, but when I went to take the phone, she didn't want to. I like, don't touch my phone. Well, I said, no, you give me that phone. And, uh, and uh, she tried to hide it under the pillow. So I said, all right. I said, I'll get the phone. You want to give it to me? So I grabbed that phone. I said, no, ma'am. And I just happened to turn around and sit on the edge of the bed. I just took the phone. Well, just a couple of seconds. I don't know if she had to think about it a minute, but all I heard was, oh, yeah, and then thump, and then slap my back. Boom! I said, do what? Did, what did you just do? You know what she did? I love you, Daddy. It gave me a kiss. I love you, Daddy. But that just tripped me out. She thought, oh, yeah? I'll show you, big boy. It's it's a trip. 
uh, it really is. But but she's going to pay me back for taking her phone. But you know, with all honesty, uh, a temptation for God's people when we are offended and, and somebody shows hatred towards us and hurts us. Listen, the temptation is to pay them back. I'll get you back. You will pay for this. Your day's coming. You wait. That's a temptation that we have to absolutely reject and say, no, the Bible tells me not to pay back. It says it says here that we truly ought to recompense to no man evil for evil. And so we see here that we need to be forgiving. And then it notice it says provide things honest in the sight of all men. You know what this means? This word provide means to determine beforehand. Provide, that means that the context of that verb there in the Greek is the idea of determine beforehand that you're going to make doing others good your, your main aim. That's, that's what we, that's what we find here to be true. And, and, and that's what we ought to do as believers. And that's how we're going to do it. And that's what I'm going to determine right now. By God's grace, I'm just going to be a forgiver. Everybody in this church should have de- de- decided by now that you're going to be a forgiver. And you're not going to seek to pay somebody back when they've hurt you. Do you talk to them? Yes. Of course, you work through these things. You communicate if if it's possible. And we'll get to that here in just a minute. But but just the world needs to know that God's people are not about getting even. Now, back when we were lost, that's what it was all about. Oh, we'll get even and we'll get ahead one. You mess with you mess with the wrong one now. That's the. That's the mentality of somebody that doesn't have the Lord. You even picked the wrong one. But, but all honesty here, people around us should see that we desire to do good. And it's not going to be based upon the way you treated me. It's going to be just me wanting to honor the Lord. And uh, notice here it says, if in your, in your Bible it says in verse 18, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. We we see here that it is God's people ought to be peacemakers, uh, peace developers, uh, peace pursuers, peace leaders. You fill in the blank. You, we just ought to be people of peace. And great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. But I do want to note here, not to give us any excuse, but sometimes it's not possible. Because it does say, if it be possible. But here's what the truth is. for the, It shouldn't be because of you. That it's not working out. If the other person doesn't respond, you can't change that. You can pray for them, but at least you have been a pursuer of peace. And that's where we see, uh, be peaceful. Now, notice verse 19. This is where, again, we're getting into things that can only really take place in someone who's surrendered to the Lord. Now, young people, you may have... Now, uh, Kenley, what grade are you in, honey? Are you in kindergarten? You're in kindergarten. Cooper, what grade are you in? All right. Uh, Rhett, what grade are you in? Kindergarten, that's right. Owen, you're in fifth, fourth grade? Fifth grade. Oh, boy. And I tell you what... Uh, each each one of them are are in situations sometimes, whether it's in your neighborhood or in your school, where somebody picks on you. 
Now, that's not good, is it? That's not good. You've got an enemy that's trying to pick on you. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you how you handle that. Number one, you tell them that they need the Lord. Amen? You need the Lord. And if they pick on you for saying that, you tell them, look, my daddy is alive. I'm just don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. But what I was saying is there, you know, we grow up in elementary school and we have bullies and people are, and, and we, there can be bullies. But I'm telling you, when you get adults, they're still bullies. In fact, I have seen the most vicious people that carried that same heart as a bully up through childhood and through adulthood. They still bully people. They use intimidation. They try to make you scared. They try to strike fear into you. And they're just bullies. But there's a way that we can pray for them. It says here in verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Now, what does this mean? This means, let me just give you a simple definition of what this means. Don't, listen, Christian, and when you are offended, when someone is harmed you or offended you or insulted you, don't execute judgment. Now, let me be clear here, just because I know we're in a room of true Americans who we believe in defending ourselves and standing. I'm not even talking about self-defense here. Your life is in danger. You have the right to protect yourself. What I'm talking about here is when you have been persecuted verbally, bad things have been said, things of that nature. Somebody has wronged you. Somebody has let you down. Someone has disappointed you. Someone has sought to steal from you. Things of that nature. Things that people have done that are very hurtful. How do we respond to them? Well, the Bible tells us. He says, first of all, don't execute judgment. Because notice what it says, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. And this comes from Deuteronomy 32, 35. Listen, when it comes to executing wrath, all that is left up to God. I can't take that matter into my own hands. The one who trusts God, who trusts in God, will not think it necessary to avenge themselves. But the temptation is, is to take matters into our own hands. Like, like I said, I'll show you. Instead of saying, God, you know this individual, you know these, these people, you know this situation. God, in my flesh, I want to retaliate. I want to give them a piece of my mind. I want to bring the wrath of, of Brinson Jennings, or you say your name, I just want to give it to them. That's where we as God's people said, Lord, you know what to do. You know what to do. I'm going to trust you to work in this situation and to handle this situation or this person in way, the way you see best fit. It's leaving the issue of vengeance to God. Does everybody believe that's what that verse is saying? I mean, that's what it says here. Look at it in your Bibles. It says, dearly beloved. He's like 
just letting them know here, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. And for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith who? It's the Lord. So basically it's saying, Lord, I trust you. You can take care of them as you see fit. It's like giving no place to my own wrath, but giving wide place to God's wrath. Because God knows how to do it. In other words, it's showing love in the face of hate. Because, verse 20, notice what it says here. It says, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. You ought to write in your margin there, Proverbs 25, verses 21 through 22. Paul is quoting Proverbs 25, 21 through 22. What is he teaching here? He's teaching that by showing the love of Christ to the enemy, being kind or finding a way to be kind to them. That's the idea of your enemy. It's giving him some food if he's hungry and not letting him starve. It's giving him something to drink if he's about to thirst to death. You give him those things. It's basically showing a reasonable kindness even toward those that hate us. Why? Why does God tell us to do that? Notice he gives, again, just a, a proverb here. He says, you're going to heap coals of fire on his head. Now, what does that mean? Now, some, there's two different ways you can interpret this. I don't agree with the first one. You may take that stand. Some would say the reason you do this is because you want to pile judgment upon them uh, by being kind. And in responding in kindness, and therefore you're piling up judgment on their part. I don't believe that is it. Because I don't, I don't believe that's the spirit of what Paul is saying throughout this whole section of, of the Word of God. I believe it's this. I believe he's talking about show the kindness of Christ to them. Get it. So that there will perhaps be some repentance. A change of heart. It's interesting. There was a there was a a, a procedure or something that they had. It, it, it was practiced in Egypt. In fact, that when someone was found guilty, they had to walk around with with hot coals uh, on their head on a plate over their head. And and the coals would be, uh, of course, hot, and they it would be smoking, and then they would walk around basically uh, repenting from the crime or from what they had did, what they had done was wrong. And it's very possible that it could be related to this proverb that the idea of putting coals on, on hot coals on the enemy's head is the fact that through that God can work in their heart about repenting. About turning back to Him. It's happened over and over. It kind of goes with the idea, a soft answer turns away what? Wrath. 
It's an act of, of kindness even towards someone that may be wrathful towards us. And perhaps there will be a conviction that comes over them. So you could say that this is a corrective purpose and not a punitive purpose. It's not the idea of being kind is not to punish them, but to give them an opportunity to see Christ in us. And then in closing, notice what verse 21 says. Let's read that together. Chapter 12, verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Wow. This can only happen when all on the altar is laid. Notice in your Bibles that the word overcome is used twice. I want you to see, notice that the first one that's used in verse 21 when it says be not overcome, that is in the passive tense. What that is saying in the Greek is basically saying Paul is talking to some people that were being overcome. It could be translated like this, literally. Stop being overcome by evil. The word overcome is the, is the idea of being conquered. They were being conquered by the evil acts of others. They, it was consuming them. It was controlling them. And he's saying, don't be, stop being controlled and conquered of the evil around you because of what evil is doing. But the next one, overcome, is a different Greek tense. It's in the active. It's not, but you ought to actively overcome evil with what? With good. So, I like to say it this way. Don't let the evil in this world and all that's taking place convert you. Not to be, you can't lose your salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. But don't let it convert your your mindset, your spirit of love and trusting God and knowing that He's going to take care of this. He's going to lead through this. We do believe in His coming. And when He does come back, He is going to straighten all of this out. I'm reminded that we win by doing good. Even when we don't feel like it. I... uh Martin Lloyd-Jones and his commentary. He said, we need to remind ourselves that Christians, we're in a great war. It's the fight of faith. We're wrestling against principalities and powers. We talked about spiritual warfare last week. So what really matters in this, this element of, of not being overcome of evil, not being controlled by evil, but, but overcoming evil with good? Well, it doesn't really matter what happens to me. But the defeat of the enemy and the triumph of the Lord and of His cause. That's what it's about. It's not about me. It's about defeating evil. And it's about good. It's about God triumphing. That's what, that, that's what it's about. And, and, and what he says here is this. And this is the exhortation we take tonight in our close. He says, I do not think of everything in terms of myself. But of good and evil, of hell and heaven, the devil and God, this great cosmic fight, you see that rather than yourself or other people.
takes the perspective around, doesn't it? It gives a clearer perspective. And, and then he talks about how the fact that we will never defeat the Goliaths with Saul's armor. It's got to be spiritual warfare. It's got to be the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God. Through the pulling down of strongholds. He goes on to say this. When it comes to overcoming evil with good, they can never rob us of the dignity and the privilege and the honor and the glory of having our part to play in his mighty battle. And this mighty battle of God against hell, light against darkness, truth against lies. And finally, whatever people may do to you, whether they praise you or hate you, whatever terrible things they do, what does it matter? Keep your eye on the day of triumph that is coming. The certainty of the victory. The day when He will appear and will look at you and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Listen to this. He remembers the time when you did not avenge yourself for His sake. Because you were thinking of Him and His kingdom and not of yourself. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, God sees it all. His eye is over it all. The crowning day is coming by and by. And here, and looking at everything in this way, you come to see that what happens to you in this world is comparatively unimportant. You see, the perspective that when it comes right down to it, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I believe that when we look at people, the enemy that hates us, And this is what I'm closing with. When we look at the enemy that hates us, we don't see the person hating us. We see the devil hating us. The evil one. We see the evil behind the scenes. Controlling. They've blinded the minds. He's blinded the minds of them that believe not. And when I overcome evil with good, I'm not going to take it out on the person. I'm going to take it out against evil by glorifying God and praising God and trusting God and submitting to God. And even if I have the opportunity and I pray that I do to do my enemy good, I'm going to do that. Because it is not about me. It's not about them. It's ultimately about the Glory of God. It's about Him. It's about His goodness. It's a battle of good and evil. And it's not about me getting revenge. It's not about me repaying and getting even. It's not about any of that. It's about me letting just being used in God's great plan of seeing this world come to Christ. And there are going to be many enemies that hate us because of what we do. Jesus told us that. He said, they're going to hate you because they first hated me. So how do we love those that hate us? We do it with the power of God. By submitting our hearts to these commandments. These commandments that he's given us in his word. That's what we do. And then we never forget. We never forget that I was once an enemy of God. How many of you, raise your hand if you were at one time an enemy of God? Every hand should go up. 
I was an enemy. And look what he did for me. Look what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. The God of heaven came down. And though I was his enemy, he died for me. He overcame evil with good. May that be our plan. May we decide now that that's the kind of people we're going to be. Does it mean that you ought to, you don't have a right to defend yourself if you're in harm's way? But it absolutely gives us the mandate to how to react to someone that hates us. So let's do it with God's help and God's power and May we be the victors because of Jesus Christ in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Word of God tonight. Thank you for the the power of God. Thank you, Lord, for the plan of God and the Word of God, the will of God, the glory of God, the grace of God, the love of God. Lord, we thank you for every bit of it, the wisdom of God. And we yield our hearts to you tonight. And I pray that you'd set some people free tonight. Lord, if there's anybody here that, Lord, they just taking matters into their own hands, and they have vengeance on their mind. And instead of committing, Lord, their hearts to you and and committing those that are their enemies to you, God, I pray you'd help them. Let them get set free tonight so they don't have that weight. Lord, help us to be consecrated Christians. That this world knows that you, oh God, have made the difference in our lives. Let's take this moment just to pray and reflect on the message as the instruments begin to play. Let's just respond to the Lord.